Welcome back to the podcast. Today we are talking about constipation. We are going to talk about poop and I don't care how old you are. Poop is a funny word. So I'm sorry if I giggle, but you know, it is how it is. But this is a loaded topic and I actually created a blog post, but I know a lot of people are also auditory. So I wanted to, and sometimes I I'm able to get out a lot more speaking than in my writing. So I wanted to be able to do both. Um, talk about constipation for ourselves and also children um, and what I would do if my kids couldn't poop and have it more conversational. Um, I know this is like also an uncomfortable and embarrassing topic. So I, but I never really tire talking about poop because it's so important. And I think as I've said in previous episodes, I struggled with going to the bathroom forever. And so when I think about what I would do for my kids, I'm really thinking about myself uh, in a selfish way because I have so much empathy for kids and parents who can't poop because I just know what it feels like to not be able to go and how it can control your life. When I was in practice, I can't tell you how many cases of functional constipation, as they call it, which I think is an oxymoron name, but how much constipation I saw in practice. It was crazy. And in our defense as practitioners, when I was in practice and I'd get like a 15-minute consult on kids not being able to poop. Like 15 minutes is just not enough time to go through all of a child's issues um, with their, you know, doing a physical, getting a full history and doing all of the education. So I just feel like from the provider standpoint, we're not given enough time, but at the same time, there's so much that we can do for constipation that I think gets ignored. And there's so much, there are so many protocols out there. You can Google them about basically just cleaning out a kid and keeping them on specific medications. I have done that as a practitioner. That's what I was taught as a practitioner. I was taught, you know, these are the protocols for cleaning out kids. These are the medicines that you use. You take this powder, you dump it in this liquid that is full of artificial colors and dyes and you make them poop until essentially they have diarrhea. And then you keep them on that medication so that they go consistently. And that's essentially what I received for education. And I know that sounds awful, but I'm just being honest. I mean, yes, we get a very brief overview of, um, You know, you want kids, make sure they're staying hydrated, make sure you're eating good, make sure they're using the bathroom at the same time. That's all great, but that's all very vague. And it also doesn't really address some of the underlying concerns. So I want to say two things. One, remember that everything I say, I know you're tired of hearing this, but none of this is medical advice. This is all meant to be educational and supportive. I don't know you. I don't know your children's history. This is not to say you should do base, you know, do what I say. You shouldn't change your patterns, your supplements, give anything to yourself or to your kids without uh, checking with their healthcare professionals. But again, I it's, it would be irresponsible for me to say this is what you should do um, unless you I don't know you. I don't know your history. I don't, this is not medical advice. Again, this is meant to support and educate and bring up topics potentially with providers that can help you towards um, healing guts and dealing with constipation. And going off of that, I want you to hear that everything I'm going to tell you is about, it is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Meaning it is, everything I'm going to say is not going to be life-changing most likely today. Um, when I look at my gut health, it has been a journey and it is going to continue to be a journey. 
And if my kids, now my kids all have kind of unique things when it comes to their guts and their diets. Um, but when I look at their individual health, I have to think long-term. I cannot think, okay, I'm going to start feeding them berries and giving them magnesium. And tomorrow they are going to have the best poops in the whole world. I can't have that mindset because what I've learned from their tongue tie struggles is if I have that mindset, then I get frustrated and caught up in this idea of like, this is so much work and this is not doing anything today. And that's likely true. Everything that you're doing today may not impact today, but what we want is over time to help heal the gut and fix these issues. I will tell you for myself, with everything that I've done in my life, I rarely deal with reflux anymore. And that used to be a constant thing in pregnancy and before reflux was a major issue for me. I know what my triggers are and I rarely deal with reflux. In terms of constipation and diarrhea, um, this may be TMI, but when I was told I had IBS like millions of people, um, I was an alternator and I, meaning I would go between diarrhea and constipation. And I rarely have diarrhea unless it's like an issue because I was exposed to gluten. And in terms of constipation, it sometimes still happens, but I have all the toolbox things that I'll talk about that don't get me to the point where I am in such severe pain and can't leave the bathroom or can't leave my house. Um, I carry things when I travel. Yes, it's a pain in the butt, but it does make a difference. And again, I am looking at longevity here of these habits to help support my gut so that way I can consistently um, use the bathroom. And I am fortunate that my two oldest kids don't really seem to have that problem. My youngest um, did, and I will go into that a little bit. But he, so here we go, all about poop and constipation and things that I would do to help my kids go to the bathroom if it was an issue. And a lot of it is because of I've learned that it helps me. Um, and I want to add the other reason that this can be really important um, if for kids in particular is one of the first things or one thing that I noticed and learned when I was in practice is that one of the most common causes of pediatric urinary tract infections is constipation. So anytime I had particularly little girls, but um, maybe a few boys here and there, but most of the time it was little girls and they would come in and the parents, we would be concerned for a UTI and whether it was from pain with urination, frequency, um, incontinence issues, whatever it was. And the number one question I asked all of these parents was how often are they pooping and what their poop looked like? And uh, it was, it's a really important detail um, because some people would tell me like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, well, you need to find out. You need to go in there when they use the bathroom. You need to see what their poop looks like because if they're constipated, that is a significant risk for a urinary tract infection. So it is a very important thing to stay on top of and ensure that your child is not only having a poop every day, um, but it's nice and soft. Because if they're having small pebble poops that every day, that still doesn't, to me, that's not enough. Not enough. So I thought I want to first talk about newborn and infant con uh, constipation. Uh, unfortunately, I think we way underestimate a newborn and an infant's tolerance to cow's milk protein, either through a mother's breast milk or formula. For two of my own children, I've had to remove dairy and soy from my diet while they were nursing. And my middle son actually had something called a non-IgE mediated food allergy causing uh, allergic proctocolitis to his gut. And I had to remove dairy from my diet. And I wasn't the best about removing soy, but my guess is that he had both issues kind of thinking back. 
um, where he had like also mucousy stools, colic type symptoms like excessive gas and fussiness and reflux. Again, we call this a non-IgE mediated allergy. It's a different pathway than saying like, oh, I have like I personally have a cashew allergy. I need Benadryl and EpiPen. It's a different kind of pathway. So it doesn't react. You can't like test for it the same way. The only real way to know if it's an allergy is to remove it from the diet and see if symptoms go away. Um, and contrary to belief, these babies can have no symptoms other than poor weight gain, um, or they can have weight, good weight gain. Like my son never had a problem with weight gain, but he had all these other symptoms and that can include constipation. So I find, and I found in practice that so many kids are having issues and I'm, I won't go into the why I think that is, but I think so many kids are having struggles with modern dairy that is in our diets as mothers if we're breastfeeding or the cow's milk protein that is in formula. And the there are sensitive formulas that are like lactose free and such, but it's not just the lactose because breast milk, the primary um, sugar in breast milk is lactose. So it wouldn't make sense that our bodies produce something that's such a significant population of babies can't handle, right? So it's not just the lactose, it's the cow's milk protein itself. So cow's milk protein, we find milk, yogurt, cheese, butter, etc. And it can be sneaky. But one of the first things that I would do if my kids, and I have done again in the past, actually my third, I really think part of his issue was a dairy soy issue. And that's what caused some of his constipation as a young infant. Um, and I removed it from my diet from like six plus months. But one of the first things I always recommend to people is removing milk and soy. And that is hard. I get it. I have been dairy free total for over a year and a half. Um, and it is hard. I think it's harder than gluten, to be honest, because, you know, having like an alternative cheese is really hard. Um, I can't have some of the alternative cheeses out there too, because I have a cashew allergy. So I, I get it. It's really hard, but, um, removing cow's milk protein and soy, because soy is actually hard too, cause it's sneaky. You have to read a lot of products to make sure they're not in like cookies and breads and just all these random things like chips and whatever, uh, anything packaged, you really have to make sure. But statistically, I think it's still about like a 30% crossover. If a kid has a cow's milk protein issue, then they can also have a soy issue. But some babies can just have constipation as their symptom. Um, and I know that can be really hard because a lot of formulas are cow's milk protein based. But if I had a baby that was on formula as a newborn or in young infant and they struggled consistently with constipation, I personally would choose, well, you can go start with like a... Um, Hydrolyzed, completely hydrolyzed formula. And then if they're still having issues, because a hydrolyzed formula mean it's still it's still a derivative from that cow's milk protein formula, but it's just completely broken down. But if they were still having issues, I would go to something that was completely hypoallergenic. And they're more expensive. I get it. It's awful. But I know so when I was in practice, I saw so many babies who would have issues and we would go to that um, formula. And it would make a world of difference. So, uh, and if uh, uh, removing, and if, especially if the kid is moved on to solids, so they're like six plus months, 
usually we're not going to start to see like if mom's been consuming dairy for six months and there's been no issues whatsoever. And then the kid is introduced to yogurt or cheese or something like that to automatically have issues. I don't think I've seen that consistently. Um, I didn't introduce my kids really to a lot of dairy at six months just because uh, other than my first child, because I couldn't with the others. Um, but honestly, usually we start to see those issues even before six months, because if a baby's like on formula or again, it's in mom's milk, you're going to see something, some manifestation usually before they're six months old and they're introducing it in their diet. But if you've seen these issues all along and then they're six months old and they're starting to see even more issues, I would remove it personally from my kid's diet as well. Um, meaning like no yogurt, cheese, things like that, all alternative products, because I, again, just from what I've seen, so many kids having issues with dairy and soy. And one of the common things, one of the common recommendations that I hear and I've seen, um, I never did as a practitioner really, but um, I've seen so many practitioners as young as like two months recommending giving infants apple juice or something like that to help with constipation, which I just think is wild that we think that that's what babies should be getting to help them poop rather than looking more again at that underlying cause, which could be some kind of allergy or intolerance like the cow's milk protein. I have done in the past, like when the kids are older than six months, doing a small amount of like an organic pear mashed up because pears and apples and things like that can help with acute constipation. There are foods like homemade applesauce and things that can help. But overall, I wouldn't, that juice is not going to be, I don't want to expose my kid to juice. That's really not going to be my first go-to. It's going to be removing those other things from the diet. And also in terms of like supporting that gut and ensuring that they have a healthy gut, I would try for things like bone broth. Like obviously I don't, it's not a six month old is necessarily going to sit there and sip on bone broth, which I will actually, I will funny that my youngest when he was starting solids did enjoy more of those savory things. And he did enjoy like sipping on bone broth, which I just find funny. Um, and so I'm not bragging it's every kid is different, but you can also try to cook things in bone broth, like cooking your meats to soften them and the veggies and stuff like that, because we know that bone broth is good for the gut. Um, organic berries are good for the gut, like blueberries, raspberries, things like that. Um, I try to do in the wintertime, I'll even do frozen ones, just something that's like to, to thaw them out. So they, get some berries and really avoiding processed grains. I have never jumped on the rice cereal train. I don't think that's something, um, again, you can talk to your child's healthcare provider and you should do your own research, but I don't, I never did the rice cereal, anything like that. But I think a lot of these early introductions to grains are hurting a lot of kids' guts and making them constipated. So I just wouldn't I never did that. And pulling back on some of those grains can help as well. Rice is really constipating, actually. Uh, rice, bananas are some of the most common things that we see that can cause, um, especially if a child consumes a lot of it, that can cause constipation. Um, but really, when I talk about gut health, I want to take a moment to say I hear and I understand that not only financially, but also it's a it's like a cultural shift within the family to remove things from the diet. So I am not ashamed of it, but I wish my kids did not eat as many chicken nuggets as they do or enjoy pizza like they do or chips like they do. But I don't buy chips unless like in the summertime we're going to a barbecue and um, I try not to give them chicken nuggets all the time. Sometimes it's like during the week, it's a quick, easy thing, right? But I also am also trying to serve them with things like 
they don't get chips and pizza and uh, chicken nuggets for lunch. If they get chicken nuggets, they're also getting cucumbers and berries and things that have like a water content. So hopefully we're flushing out some of some of that sodium. But it's really hard to kind of shift your mindset and like financially also kind of figure out that balance of what we can serve our kids for food and for lunch to support their gut, but also um, like realistically what they are going to eat. My oldest actually for the longest time was the most picky and I just kept up with it. And especially at dinner time, I would serve him things that I knew he necessarily wouldn't eat. Um, but I was stuck with it and I can't remember when, but at least a year ago he started to eat, he wouldn't even eat spaghetti unless it was just like the noodles. But then over time, like he ate the meat sauce and now it's one of his favorite meals. And I struggled for a while to get proteins into them. And so I started making them homemade cheeseburgers and now they eat cheeseburgers and which is a great source of protein to eat all of that ground beef. Like sometimes they're getting like 16 grams of protein for them, which is huge in a meal just from the ground beef, which is awesome. So I I hear you if you're like, my kid will only eat X, Y, or Z. And one of the first steps, that's why it's important to talk to their the pediatrician and make sure they don't have any like feeding issues, tongue tie issues. Um, is it, you know, a sensory issue? Do they need to see a feeding specialist, et cetera, et cetera? Um, my kids see feeding specialists. But one of the first steps is not buying the things that you're saying your kids like if your kids only eat those cheesy fish-shaped crackers you need to stop buying them um again specific unless specifically you've been told by like a nutritionist or something like that that this is like where they're getting calories the the first step is stopping buying these things that you're uh, this is personally what i would do if my kids would only eat chips. I'm not going to buy chips. And will that cause some fussiness and screaming because they want their chips? Sure. But if I don't have them, it's not an option. And when we think about transforming their gut and helping them to go to the bathroom, some of these ultra processed and processed foods are part of the problem and you just need to remove them. My kid, my youngest, who still is in feeding therapy, was really addicted to these like rice teething crackers. And it was because we were practicing with them, with his chewing, with his therapist. But then when he would see them, that's all he would want to eat. And I think it was contributing to his constipation. I just had to stop buying them as much as we were using them because he loved them. I had to just say, this isn't the answer. I can't just keep feeding him rice crackers to keep him happy. That is not the answer. And I had to get creative and try different things and keep berries around in different foods. And it is, it, again, I hear you, it is hard and it is hard to deal with the pickiness. But I look at it again as a marathon, not a sprint. And so these, my kids still like they don't eat and love, absolutely love vegetables. My third child just ate a green bean the other day and I thought I was going to cry. Like it is taking time. I, and but I also know, I'm not saying I'm part of the problem, but I, I kind of am because I have not had the best palate in my life. I am not sit down and eat a nice kale salad with some pumpkin seeds and some apples. Like if you're thinking like I am one of these people, I am not. So I have really had to train my palate over the years. And now I'm trying to help my kids to develop the same. And what I do usually is put a small amount of something I know they'll eat, something they maybe will eat, and something I know they won't eat. And I still ask them to, and this is not every single meal, but I try that, you know, try this green bean, try this vegetable, try this new whatever it is. 
and they don't always love it, but it's something it's I'm trying and I want you to hear that. And I've had this conversation with people and my family and friends. It is the trying piece that I think is really important when it comes to transforming and starting to help our guts. Don't feel like this is an overnight thing and you give them one bag of chips and you've set yourself back. I think it's important to recognize it, not hold guilt for it, and understand, okay, I gave them chips today. They're not going to have chips the next seven days because I know it's going to not help their guts and they might not feel good from it. And that's the other thing I want us to remember is if you feed, like if they are in a habit of eating something really sweet every day and say cookies, especially because it's a holiday, we're going into the holiday season here. And I'm not, maybe for like two days or three days, we'll have those cookies, but I'm not going to let them have like a couple of cookies every single day for two weeks just because it's the holidays. And it has nothing to do with just like, oh, I don't want them to have, even for myself, I'm not going to have cookies because it's going to make me fat. That is not the idea. I just saw a social media post that made me kind of upset because it has nothing to do with that. For me, it has to do with how it's going to make us feel how it's going to impact our guts and is it going to help them down the road to have good relationships with food for not feeling by not feeling crappy and if they eat this food consistently all the time and they don't feel good I just as a parent for me I don't want them to feel that way I don't want them to have belly aches because they eat crap all the time and I say that so gently so I I want to edit that out but I won't because I just want to keep it real that I know so many parents and I've seen it where they blame the kids' behaviors on the child and not actually looking at, okay, what is the kid eating? And is that perhaps impacting their behaviors and how they feel? Because if they're getting diarrhea and they have belly aches, but you've just fed them all of this food that is not helping them, that is... it. I don't want to go too much on a tangent here. I just want you to remember it is a marathon, not a sprint. Don't feel guilty about every once in a while having those cookies and things like that. But we do have to understand that it does impact our kids and how they feel and trying new things. And if you've never cooked in bone broth and you're like, Holly, I don't even know where to start with that. Maybe I need to do a whole episode on cooking. And I do actually want to do a whole video on that. But you need to experiment and try these different things and expose your kids to them. So hopefully they'll get the palates for the unique things, even like sauerkraut and stuff like that. I have tried to give that to my kids. They don't love it, but just trying, I think, is so important. Just making the effort to improve their diets is step one. It is not an overnight process. It hasn't been for me, and that's okay. The other thing I want to talk about in terms of elimination is eliminating gluten. So gluten, wheat, barley, rye, I've uh, probably said before, I have celiac disease, so I cannot have gluten. I cannot consume gluten. Um, But I do think that especially modern gluten, all these products and all of these artificial things, it's not good for our bellies. And it's probably contributing a lot of actually, I know from studies that uh, a lot of people who remove gluten from their diet who struggle with IBS type symptoms, whether it's diarrhea, constipation or a mix have significant improvement to their symptoms when they remove gluten. But the reason I want to mention celiac too is before you remove gluten from your diet, you or your children, they need to be tested for celiac disease. If you get any pushback from a provider because no one has it in the family, that is incorrect information. Just because someone in the family has not been diagnosed, that does not mean that they don't have the gene for celiac disease. 
the reason it's important is if I just want to remove gluten from my diet because I want to see if it makes me feel better. What if you remove it from your diet and you feel better? Well, great, right? But you need to know the difference between can I eat that brownie and just have a bellyache later? Or do I have celiac disease and that brownie consuming gluten actually does damage to my intestines and can make me very ill and sick? And it's important for kids because if they have undiagnosed celiac disease and they're consistently exposed to gluten, then that can impact. And this isn't for every child, but if they have celiac disease or that gene is activated, it can impact growth among other things. So it is really important, especially for kids to know. So it is important to talk to their providers and get them tested for celiac disease if they struggle. I'm not saying with like, oh, they're one time constipated, um, but if they struggle consistently with constipation, they need to be tested for celiac disease. The reason it's important to do it is you have to be consuming gluten in order to be tested and for the serology or the blood work to come back as not a, you don't want a false negative because they've removed gluten already from their diet. The hard thing is that if they are positive too, they do need to have, the uh, the gold standard is to have an endoscopy. Um, but again, this is a conversation with their provider because if you remove gluten from your diet or your child's diet and you have a miraculous change in your life and your serology was negative for celiac disease, I would still consider getting genetic testing for to see if you carry the, um, the gene for celiac disease and consider endoscopy because, again, it is really important to know if you have celiac disease or not because even being, like, contaminated with fryers, like, I can't have French fries from any fryer, like, any fast food place because they put other things in there that contain gluten. If you're just sensitive to gluten, you may be fine with that and same with your kids, but if you have celiac disease, it's a whole different ballgame. So, it is really important to get tested with a blood test at least before removing gluten from the diet because the other thing is if you remove gluten, you feel better. You have to go back on it to get tested. And for a lot of people, they don't want to do that. So I just want to put that out there that screening for celiac disease is extremely important. Um, I wouldn't do it in a child under one unless there was a first degree relative and we had X, Y, or Z for growth issues. But even for young toddlers, I would consider it um, if there's a first degree family history, I believe the recommendation is still at age three to be screened um, and then definitely before puberty. But definitely, I just wanted to put that out there. Screening, screening, screening for celiac disease. The next thing I want to talk about is, um, because, and I want to talk about it because I found it extremely important to my third child's intermittent constipation, is filtering our water and then remineralizing it. I started refiltering, uh, started filtering our water after reading about all the possible water contaminants. Um, I'll link a source in the blog post about where I found this. And it was something crazy like our local water has 850 times the amount of arsenic recommended by the EWG or something crazy like that. Um, and I started using this clearly filtered water. But the problem is that I had in the beginning when I started to do this, I was always forgetting to remineralize our water because you have to remember when we filter it, we take out the good and the bad, right? So I'm taking out all the bad, but I'm also talking, taking out all of the good stuff that we need in our water, all of the salt, the potassium, the magnesium, et cetera, et cetera. It just seems like such a minuscule thing, but this balance is so important because 
to not to bore you, but basically water follows different electrolytes and tries to find that gentle balance within our body. And if you're just pushing a ton of water, it may just go right through your kidneys and right out. Like it's not filtered because there's nothing to absorb there. And sometimes our cells are need more hydration, but they don't need just the hydration. They need the minerals to actually hold the hold that fluid in. So I was really bad about it. But what I did is now in the morning, I take a big pitcher from Amazon. I will link that too in the post. And I put all my water in there and I put these trace minerals drops in. And that's what we use for drinking water for the day. Usually I do one fill in the morning and then like maybe at lunchtime and later in the day. And the reason I think I didn't, I underestimated this is I started getting better about mineralizing our water And my youngest who struggled with intermittent constipation, and I'm talking like hard pebble poops, like reindeer, little tiny poop, um, to starting to be really consistent with our water night and day poop. And I always, I was so confused by his constipation because this is a kid who eats meats and still gets breast milk. And it didn't make any sense to me why he would be constipated. And other than like, I do think soy was a trigger for him. So he, I, I did remove soy from my diet, but it still wasn't the full 100% answer. Ever since I have been remineralizing our water, he has had two hard poops, One, when we were traveling. So that says to me, I need to bring those trace mineral drops with me for his water. And two, um, the other day I actually noticed because I thought I was out of the mineral drops and then I found them in the pantry. But that day when he did not get the same water, he had, it wasn't wicked hard, but it was still a harder poop. And you may be thinking, well, that's quite ridiculous. Why is he so sensitive to minerals? That's probably a whole longer story too, but I am, he still breastfeeds. And if I'm getting depleted from minerals because on top of just being a parent and a moving person and an adult, I'm also breastfeeding. I need to be really good on my minerals and maybe he's just more depleted because I'm more depleted. Again, a whole other conversation, but by just improving the quality of his water, we have not had an issue. I'm not lying. I wish I had pictures for you, but I, it just makes me think about all the kids out there that were saying, drink water, drink water, drink water. Okay. But is that water properly mineralized? Because if it's not, then maybe that's part of our answer and would help so many kids to go to the bathroom. So I've been posting about this a lot on social media recently, but it's just because it was like a wow moment for me. Um, I've been really consistent with it and it has just made a world of difference. Now for my other kids who haven't had poop problems, I think it's helped with other things, but I just wanted to mention it because it's been so transformative for him. Um, And the other thing I wanted to talk about along the lines of minerals is magnesium. I have learned so much this past year about the importance of uh, magnesium and how we are commonly, especially women, um, are commonly depleted of magnesium. This is something you can quickly Google, but many women are depleted of magnesium because of years of birth control use. Um, You can quickly Google that. It's a known association. Um, so, and particularly also women with bowel disease, like myself with celiac disease. Um, but magnesium seems to be a huge issue for so many people. And I started using years ago, something called the mitigate stress master mineral drink. And it was, it is one of the two things in my toolbox in terms of constipation that I keep in my rotation. Um, I'll usually during certain times of the year, like the holidays, I'll do it consistently every day. Um, 
I have gone on breaks with it when I felt like I didn't need it. But then I, if I start to feel like I'm getting quote unquote backed up again, I will take it every day. Um, I started, you start really slow. I'd have to look at the bottle of how much you can get, but I know there are times where I can take like triple dose and still not go to the bathroom. It's crazy. Um, and I know it's because I'm depleted. I'm magnesium depleted and my body is just calling for it and really needs it. Taking that consistently also helped me really with my mindset and my mood and my anxiety. Again, that was not an instant thing, not an overnight thing for my mood, but I do notice when I take it consistently that it helps my mood significantly as well. And magnesium can help in all forms of everywhere in the body. And there are different kinds of magnesium, but for if my kids were significantly backed up or had consistent problems with constipation, this is something in very tiny doses that I would consider using for them. Again, very gently because it can be when I've used too much, you I have had diarrhea from it, um, and that's when I know I need to back off. But if I've really needed to use it, then I would consider using it. There is another magnesium product from Jigsaw called Mag Soothe that I would consistently use for my kids if they had that struggle too. And I've actually wanted to try them on that anyway, just to see if it helps with sleep because magnesium can help. Uh, and again, so many areas and areas and in sleep included. Um, but mag soothe magnesium is another one that I would consider. There are so many. I honestly need to do more research because I know that there are thousands of magnesium products out there. Um, but these are just the ones that I've read about and have read their research and different things behind them, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel comfortable using, but there are other magnesium supplements out there. I have used calm in the past, but calm, um, I believe is magnesium citrate. I'd have to double check. Um, don't quote me on that, but that one is not going to help really with like mood issues or anything. It's more for just the belly. Um, but the calm one may be a good one for kids as well. I think they make a calm kids actually because it tastes good. And so you might have a better, uh, have a good time getting that into a kid who consistently struggles with constipation. Um, but I would consider using calm for my kids. And again, always check with their healthcare providers, but, um, calm is magnesium is a supplement that I would consider. Um, and then going off of that probiotics, probiotic or no probiotic. I used to be on the like everyone should be on a probiotic train. And I will say, you know, if you're like, should I put my kid on a probiotic? I'm going to say, I don't know, give it a try. I think every person is different. I have used Just Thrive probiotic and I use it periodically throughout, again, the holidays, sometimes in the summertime, just or post GI bug or anything like that. I do find that it helps me. Um, I feel sometimes less bloated and it just, I, I do enjoy a, an intermittent probiotic, but I don't feel like I need it every day now, nor do I think that there, it's not something globally that I think every person or every child should get. Now I have considered opening up those capsules and giving them to my kids, especially in the winter time, just to see if it helps them with their immunity, because we know that the gut is so involved with immunity, but I have no studies to back that up. I don't have, this is all just from, I, there are so many studies out there about probiotic use, and I just don't know how, I've read them before, and I, it's really hard for me to know what to trust 
Um, there are so many different strains out there of different things that can be in probiotics. And from I've learned, uh, I, I listened to a couple podcasts with the Just Thrive creators. And so I just feel comfortable using that one. I'm not like an affiliate or anything right now for them, but I just do love their product and I use it intermittently. And it's something I would give to my kids, maybe consistently if they were struggling with constipation just to see if it made a difference. But I don't think it's the cure. I don't think it's a one size fits all approach and I could feed them crunchy, cheesy, fish-shaped snacks all day long and give them a probiotic and it's not the answer, right? The answer is also taking away those snacks and feeding them whole foods. So don't feel that a probiotic is the answer, but I also don't think it's the evil either. You kind of just have to experiment with it and getting a quality probiotic and incorporating it, you know, daily in the morning into their routine. Maybe it will help, maybe it won't, but you won't know unless you try. So I am a fan of probiotic, but not not in the biggest sense of everyone should be on one. Um, I would also consider, I wanted to add, I would consider seeing someone, if my kids have seen osteopaths in the past and if they had consistent issues, I would see have them see like a chiropractor, an osteopath, a craniosacral therapist, or someone that does body work. Because one thing that we find with kids with constipation or really adults with constipation as I learned when I was at my pelvic floor physical therapist, is that a lot of us hold, um, anyone that's dealt with constipation will hold significant strain and body tension in their body from straining from constipation. So if my kids struggled consistently, I would have them see one of these body workers to see if that helps them to relax uh, in between going to the bathroom. And you, I would look for someone in your area that is comfortable or trained in pediatrics, maybe hopping on a Facebook group. That's where those Facebook groups can be helpful and seeing, hey, does anyone have any pediatric chiropractor or osteopaths or uh, body workers that they like in their area that are really comfortable with kids? And that is someone I would probably consistently be part of their routine if they dealt with body tension. Um, and another thing I wanted to add was kind of going off of that is stress. Stress is a hard one. I know that my belly is significantly impacted by stress, meaning like even the stress of going away for the weekend will clamp me up and I will deal with constipation. So that's usually why I will travel with magnesium. I will travel with, uh, so that master mineral drink, I will travel with my probiotic. I will travel with minerals because I know that just the stress of being out of the house impacts me. And that sounds crazy, but I just know my body really well and I know that will impact me. So I think that kids, if my kids were dealing with chronic constipation, I would kind of question what their, where their stresses are. Is that, are there issues with their, like, are they doing too many activities? Are they too on the go all the time that they are not resting and getting good hydration and good snacks because they're just go, go, go all the time. And I know that's really hard because if you're like, well, Holly, I get up in the morning, they have to drop them off at daycare, they go to daycare or school, I pick them up, we feed them, we throw them in the tub and they go to bed and I have no other option, I hear you. I was a working parent at one point, so I am not sitting here saying that everyone is like me who is home and has the really, I guess, privilege of time, I hear you. But when you're not working, what or they're not at school, how are you spending your time? 
Are you throwing them in the car and, you know, bringing them to three sports? And then on the weekends, are they doing, you know, travel activities constantly? And then you're going to parties and it's the holidays and you're going to party after party. And then they're getting more cookies and they're getting more chips because it's an everyday thing. And then they go to the the sports event and they're not drinking enough water, et cetera, et cetera. I just want you to start. I talked about that in one of my other episodes of balancing motherhood is that and and also preventing illness is you have to start evaluating your kids time and the stress because i think that a lot of kids feel more of that stress than others um i think i felt a lot of my family stress as a kid and that's just the type of person empathetic person i guess that i am and it's also interesting you start to learn about epigenetics and things that are passed down and this isn't to place guilt or shame on ourselves but i think my kids that have health issues, I think I've passed some of those health issues onto them. And a lot of it may be linked to just overlapping over, I don't even know what the word, not overlapping stress or um, things that I've passed on to them. And so if my kids dealt with chronic constipation, or even now when I deal with like illnesses or different things, I need to just remind myself that sometimes we just need to slow down. And that doesn't mean that you plop him in front of a television for four hours and that's considered relaxation. I mean, sometimes just choosing to stay home and like playing with your kids and reading and playing outside in the snow or getting activity that way and really focusing on hydration and rest is sometimes part of the answer. I am not saying it's all of it. I'm not saying you can do, you know, ignore everything else and just focus on stress and all of a sudden your kids will start pooping. I think it's a part of the puzzle, just like anything else. So I just wanted to note it because I know that I'm impacted by stress. So why would I expect my kids to be any different? Um, I know some parents, I know people, uh, friends, family that they get diarrhea, you know, during stressful periods and I deal with the constipation side. So I just know that again, personally, and from hearing other stories, it's just something to consider for kids. And I also want to note that you're probably hearing all this and you're going, Holly, you just gave me all kinds of supplements. And it's no different than going to a doctor who's recommending that I take a supplement to make them go poop. What's the difference? I'm saying that all of this information that I gave you is, again, building to hopefully creating good stooling habits and softer stools and consistent stools that then we use by like improving our diet, improving our stress, improving our mineral balance and imp- and having these other things in our toolbox for when we can't go. Do Is my gut healed? Like, am I saying that by doing all of these things for myself, I have zero issues? No, I still have some issues, but it doesn't control my life. And I know that there are kids that constipation and adults alike, that constipation controls their life. So If I have a kid, if one of my kids constantly struggled with this, I am looking at all the dietary things and the hydration, the minerals, and all the little tools and supplements that I can use to optimize their health. And with my goal being over time that they deal with constipation less and less without using some of these traditional pharmaceuticals and hopping on that train and that conveyor belt that is just protocol after protocol that is out there. You can Google them with no address, no, not addressing the root cause. What if I had given my third son some of these medications and never given him the remineralization water and just kind of gave him those supplements and said, that's our solution. When really all it took was finding a better mineral balance and essentially curing that issue. Um, it's 
wild to me sometimes when I think about it and think about all the other kids, had I known this information that I may have been able to help when I was in practice. So that is all about constipation. There are a lot of other methods out there for constipation, things that I've read about, um, castor oil packs. I, I will update you if I learn more about that because it's something I'm going to help uh, start with my other son for other reasons. There's stuff about parasite cleanses. You can see functional medicine providers, which I do love. I'm not against seeing functional medicine or naturopath or anything like that. I just know that it's really expensive and some people don't have the financial resources to do that. And if you go see some of these people, all of these things that I just told you may get be on that list anyway. So I feel like if there's one way to get started, these are just some of the solutions to get started is, you know, removing the gluten and dairy, getting tested for celiac, filtering and remineralizing that water, increasing magnesium, taking away processed food and, you know, body work and hop on one foot and on two. You get it. I'm not, I'm, I get it. It's a lot. I just think that there is, again, a lot that we can do. Um, if you want some of the product links, I am going to have a blog post associated with this. So that way, um, if you have any questions, you can see it there. Uh, again, this is not medical advice. This is all meant to be educational, but I do hope it is supportive in your own transitions and research or try to help yourself in your kids. And feel free to send me a message on Instagram or send me um, an email and or go to my website, hollyloganhealth.com. You can find the contacts there and I can direct you towards resources as needed. Um, but thank you so much again for listening. I do hope this was helpful. It was a lot of information, but it's something I am passionate about is pooping. So have a great day. <laughs>